Welcome back to the Paperless Fairless. I'm Justin. And I'm Carrie. All right, Carrie, we are back today with Fairless Paper number 15. And our special guest star from week 13, Mr. Matt. Uh, Matt is back. I am back. Good evening, uh, or whatever time of day it is. I don't know. It's like dear it's, listener. It's like you never left, Matt. It is. Yeah. You know what? It is truly like I've never left. <laughs> so good news, bad news. Good news, you did well enough in the prior episode. We're having you back. Bad news, since we last uh, recorded, we've not yet recorded the... We've not yet prepared the... Uh, Oath of loyalty to the podcast, uh, but we're going to stay on that. I was hoping for that because I don't want to be uh, disloyal while I'm providing contributions in whatever form. Loyalty is our number one criteria for guests. Well, I, you know, I think the fact that I showed back up after the episode that I'm there <laughs> demonstrates at least part of my loyalty. I don't know what else you're going to ask me to to uh, pledge in the oath, but uh, it is going back. Showing up is an important prerequisite. But uh, that's good life lessons. We'll let you know when it's prepared. All right, very good. So, um, unlike 13, there's a, quite a bit of content here in 15. So, I think what I'll do is just jump right into the five minute summation. Go for it. <laughs> and this will be very high level because there's a whole lot here. So, this is Hamilton again here at number 15. And this, in a way, almost reads like a summation by Hamilton of a lot of the things he has already touched on. So, he starts out, uh, interestingly enough, basically acting like it's a burden on him that he should even have to talk about the subject matter in this one because he says, look, I've really talked to you about all the reasons why we need to have a constitution uh, and a stronger form of government, but I guess I have to do it again. So, he leads with that, um, and he talks about, you know, he's already laid out a bunch of logical reasons and strong arguments for the Constitution, but here he's just going to lay it out all in one fell swoop. And then, so the next thing he does is he says, look, we things are as bad as they ever can be, and I won't read off the laundry list here, but he basically just goes in this gi- ginormous laundry list of how Everything in the colonies uh, is as bad as it can be. They are you're at the last stage of national humiliation, as he puts it, and then he lists out all the way that the country is humiliating itself. And there's a lot there. Uh, there's like what twenty or thirty different ways we're humiliating ourselves. Um, so then he goes back to a favorite argument of his that all these people who are attacking the Constitution and attacking the Federalist arguments are people who they're part of the problem. They're they're part of the people who have acknowledged that things have been bad and there needs to be a fix but everything they try to do to fix it, these same people say oh no, you can't, uh, you can't do that. You know, he's basically trying to say these are a bunch of people who are, who are trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Again, a common theme of he, he attacks all of the anti-federalists as saying, well, obviously, you know, we all agree, federalists and anti-federalists, that the government's too weak right now. Obviously, we all agree that we need to make changes. But while the federalists are being constructive and trying to put out good ideas to change it, and that's what the Constitution ended up being, you have all these anti-federalists who, on one hand, acknowledge the problem, but on the other hand, don't seem to be big on solutions. They're just throwing back. They're just sitting back and throwing rocks at all the ideas. 
that the Federalists have come up with. And then that sort of segues into some of the specific ways that they're that they're doing that. You know, it talks about how, look, you know, all of these anti-federalists, they want to uh, have this strong state sovereignty, but at the same time, they acknowledge that the strong state, state sovereignty and the weak federal government is what got them in such a bad position in the first place. Um, and one of the main problems under the Articles of Confederation was that the only control that, or the only uh, force that the national government really had was on these states as states, as sort of corporate entities, and not on any particular individual. So basically, in order to get anything, th anything done, the federal government would have to sort of politely ask or suggest to the states, oh, we want to do this. Is it all right if we do this? And all the states would have to agree for anything to happen. And if even one state disagreed, nothing would happen. And no individual person could be held responsible for it. So, you know, when everyone's responsible, no one's responsible because all these individuals would make bad decisions, but then they would be held accountable because they just said, well, the state generally felt like that. And he said, this is just a bad idea. You need to have something more than just general suggestions or general negotiating power with states to states. If the, there needs to be some areas where the federal government has carved out power that everybody has to follow the, the, the federal rules. And he just talks about then how ultimately anything's a law really doesn't have the force of law unless there's a consequence to violating it. Either with you can take someone to court and order them to follow it and they have to, or if it comes to it, you can use some kind of physical, military, or police force to force someone to follow the, the legal decision. And he says if the, if the states don't have to obey the, you know, the courts of the nation, then all you're left with is force of arms. Um, going on uh, from there, again, he uh, revisits the fact that, you know, there is these other individuals, the anti-federalists, who, you know, feel like the Constitution is the wrong way to go, but how trustworthy are they? Because they've had, you know, they're part, of the, the part and parcel of the you know, the, uh, the group of people who have led America to such a, a bad place now where they have no choice. You know, if we, you know, basically, Hamilton's trying to create a scenario in which, look, the states are, stakes are so high. If we don't pass the Constitution, if we don't go this route, then we won't have a choice. There's nothing left. You know, our, our, our union is going to just completely collapse. You know, and, and he closes out strong along that and says, look, I've laid out all these reasons why this is the way to go. This is the uh, this is the direction that will lead us to have this a much more proud and capable country that will be able to solve problems in the future, and I you know I don't know what more I can say I don't know what more I can do, um, you know either you fall you know either this is the way to go or you know there's going to be definitely be negative consequences for the country and I think that's as close to a five minute summation as I can get. That was the high-level summary? <laughs> that was the high-level summary. Uh, There's, a lot, there. There's I, a lot there. Uh, I, I'm going to refrain from uh, just going into singing pieces from 
from the Hamilton musical, and uh, this one required a lot of drinking. You're allowed snippets, <laughs> as long as they're not arbitrary and capricious yeah, or excessive. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I know when I was reading this, uh, right off the bat, he begins and he says, hey, we're going to turn to this next inquiry here. Uh, and he goes off and he talks about the journey that everyone's going to be taking is tedious and it's irksome. We're going on, the citizens are going on a quest for information. He fulfills that tedious you know, and irksome promise pretty yeah, well. Here. He does. But his, he, he says that he will be our guide. It will, his aim to, it'll be his aim to remove those obstacles that make the journey through the fields of knowledge you know, arduous. And, he and, seems sort of irritated to be our and, guy. He's sort and, of like the guy. It's like he had the day off that day, and someone called in sick. And he's see, like, all right, I'm your guide. My name is uh, Joe. But see, somewhere in my on. mind, um, I got the, the opening monologue of uh, Quantum Leap started playing in my head. And, you know, that, you know, that uh, old time travel show from the, or the 90s. He's a reference to that one. Yeah. Right, with Scott Bakula and, uh, and uh, he had his, Sackle, right? Sackle, was the, his Al's, Al was his guide, his holographic guide that only yeah, they could see or hear. And Al helped Sam navigate through his journey. And I'm like, here, Hamilton is Hamilton is our Al. I'm glad we're locked down the quantum leaf fans. The quantum leaf yeah, fans, yeah. Servicing yeah. All three of them listening. <laughs> hey, hey, that was a great show. <laughs> including this episode. Quantum leaf was no, awesome. I mean, you know, I could even, I'll even boil this down any further. What it appears to me is this is basically Hamilton saying, uh, in, in, as Carrie, you mentioned, uh, outside of recording, classic Hamilton flowery language. He loves $15 words mm-hmm. uh, more than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. You can um, string a sentence into a length of long of a paragraph. It's basically <laughs> the Articles of Confederation suck and here's why. <laughs> yes, that is. That's basically number 15. Yeah. Is that one. That's, and, and that's the cliff notes to the cliff notes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to really boil it down, it's Hamilton saying, uh, here's a lot of really pretty words, but basically we can't continue to live with this Articles of Confederation that everybody seems to think we can. All right, I think that does it. I'll see everybody next okay, time. Okay, yeah, great. Right. Thanks for joining yeah. us on that. Uh, <laughs> well, we, so let's talk about the here's why. That's right. basically the you next. Know, so. All right. So, um, Those, the first two paragraphs really, I, I feel like, is, and we don't need to boil down too much. No, as I, mean, I mean, after, after becoming our guide, him grumbling about being our guy. Yeah. Like, don't, don't continue the quantum leap. Let's talk about how the string theory applies. We got to anyway. So anyway, so you know, he goes and he says, "Look, we all agree. Both sides agree. Things are bad. Things are bad and they need fixed." And then he goes into the litany. And let's um, give me one Before second we're here. Going to the litany. Okay. I like. <laughs> he's like as a guide. He's definitely like I'm going to throw out another bad, old, obsolete. Called pop culture reference that no one will get because I think it's suitable here. Great, because that's really, I mean, this is how we get listeners. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's like, to drum up the fresh young audience. <laughs> old, absolute reference to a TV show. That's our with, recipe. Because of a very limited audience. Okay, no, please go ahead. When he, he says, uh, you know, as the guy, he's like, it'll be my aim to remove the obstacles from your progress in as compendious a manner as it can be done without sacrificing utility to dispatch. That, he's like a David Spade character who's like the uh, the guy at the nightclub who's like telling people to take it outside. You know what I'm talking about? 
No. No. Let's abandon that. Forget the golf, golf, pop culture reference. It, it just it seems there like he's just because you guys are so dense. I've got to spell it go out of my way and just spell it out for you. Yeah. That, okay. All right. Now that I agree with. Like, yeah. Basically. Okay. So you're he's saying, just rumbling about the having you to write this. Like I'm. I'm. I'm so, I'm being sarcastic about this because I'm so annoyed at your level of stupidity. Okay. Don't. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. That was. That was obscure. <laughs> it's like he's saying, again, going to the second paragraph, yeah. it's so obvious that things are so awful. Mm-hmm. The so, reasons why it's so awful are so obvious, but I'll yet spell I have to out. write this paper. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yet I still have to tell you what they are. So, all right. So, let me run through Cliff the litany here, and I'm going to hit some of them. I'm probably going to miss a few. I, I um, know every way we're being humiliated. All right. I'll see what I can get. Large, <laughs> large debts. Territories in the possession of a foreign power, a lack of a military, lack of money, inability to navigate the Mississippi, lack of commerce, lack of respect from foreign powers, decrease in the value of property, unavailability of credit, lack of authority of the government over the nation. I think that's most of it, right? So, I mean... That may, that really makes a rosy glow for 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 well, a picture and, of the state of the union at the time. It jumped to Hamilton's last sentence on here as well, where he says, um, "We're afraid uh, each state him. yielding to the persuasive voice, immediate interest, or convenience has successfully withdrawn its support, till the frail and tottering edifice seems ready to fall upon our heads and crush us beneath its ruin." He's got a bit of hyperbole there. Hamilton? No. No. Never. (laughs) So, you know, he's employing a bit of hyperbole there to really make, I think, his arguments seem like at any minute these poorly uh, written documents that currently govern us cause our immediate ruin. Here's all the horrible things now happening. Before you know it, it's mass hysteria. Cats and dogs dogs living together. I was wondering when you were going to go there. Because this is us paying very soon for that. Exactly. So, um, so I agree. I mean, but he, he is sort of employing some hyperbole. And then, well, after giving us the litany, he gives us. Well, a, I don't he want to the, the litany yet because oh, I want to wallow in our humiliation just a little okay. bit longer. Just waddle away. Because I think <laughs> you mean if we are all considering that we're citizens of the colonial government recently freed from the Iron Fist exactly. of Great Britain. Exactly. I see. Okay. We can't say Iron Fist because that show has just left me really traumatized. Okay. How bad it is. Yeah. No. It is. It is epically bad. <laughs> so there goes okay. our Netflix endorsement. I was just gonna say, yeah. No. I mean. I mean. As an aside. Get the ad revenue. Marvel. <laughs> Marvel has because because the returns on the Inhumans coming up next is are not good. Like so. So that's what I'm hearing. So. But that was a really good segue to humiliation, though. Know? Um, <laughs> so how were we being humiliated at the time? Because, you know, he, again, Hamilton, I feel like, often spends way too much time talking about or explaining things he doesn't need to, i.e. how he did Paper 13. Mm-hmm. But then he'll say a bunch of things, just throwaway comments that are very important, but then explain So, you know, he talks about uh, engagements that they're supposed to be, engagements that things are supposed to be doing that they're not. And we're violating them, and we should be humiliated. One of those things we was talking about was we had a bunch of treaty obligations under the Treaty of Paris and the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. such as you know, respecting you know, certain reimbursements to uh, loyalists uh, and you know, certain repayments uh, to uh, you know, British citizens. We weren't doing that. Yeah. And so that's what he's talking about there. Um, that's what the foreigners, we, didn't, we weren't doing anything to pay back France or... 
our own citizens who bought war bonds. There's and because of that, he talks about valuable territories or important posts in the possessions of foreign power that we should have gotten back to us. Those were the British troops staying in forts in like Ohio territory and whatnot that were leaving, and their reason was we were not honoring our treaties, and so and then not sticking up for our own rights. You know, talking about how we're not going and liberating those territories, or we're not uh, protecting our merchant shipping uh, in the Mediterranean or elsewhere. Those, you know, that's what he's talking about. There's, there, he's credible there in that. That's those were things that were actually happening, and people at the time knew that they were happening. And so sometimes they'll say things. You're just like, well, I don't know if he's on solid ground there, but I, I think this litany here is his strongest part of this entire paper. Yeah, because yeah, the third paragraph where you're talking about the, the yes, one, all of the stuff, all those things, okay. all of the national humiliations. Because yeah. it's true, all of those things were really happening. The people at the time would have known about them, and it was obvious that they were a problem. And so, I think there, honestly, he should have been shorter on this first, the, the part before that, because I think that really would focus people's attention on we got to do something. Yeah, and and he also goes back to kind of his wheelhouse, which is the classic Hamilton, which is, how does this affect us financially? Yeah. You know, and he again goes on for a number of sentences, too, saying that, um, you know, public confidence is eroded because private credit is unavailable. Exactly. Um, If you want to start a business, you can. Yeah. Land is worth less because we're not governed efficiently, therefore, we can't use that to leverage to uh, to be to be more prosperous. Not just land, but land that had been improved upon. Exactly was yeah. was worth less than the vast raw, tracts of land. just yeah. raw yeah. land. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I mean you know he he also I, I just think that's one of the things that Hamilton likes to do is tie that back into his saying how does this affect us financially? And that's, that that's was important. that's some good he does. Although the, so, the anti-federalist counterpoint to that, or maybe the Jeffersonian counterpoint to that, is you know some of these problems you're saying are everybody's problem are only a, really a problem of a certain type of people. Because, yeah. you know, for a Jeffersonian who, what's the end goal of improved land? Well, you're just going to live on it and farm it, and you're going to be a small gentleman farmer. Mm-hmm. And who cares if it's not appraised as much, because yeah. that's where you're going to be. I don't want it appraised as much, because that encourages land speculation. That's for those banker people or those speculator people. You know, maybe it's not really our problem. You know, it's only those... Uh, it's only those crafty merchant types who care as yeah. much about well, you know, and that, credit, and, and that goes back to a lot of the a lot of the states' rights arguments versus the financiers. You know that mm. if you looking outside of the Federalist Papers, I don't know how often you want to do that, but or you know that I mean obviously it's a reasonable this. amount, yeah, but I not mean, an unreasonable. The cla- amount. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and keep it within reason and unreason. Um, but you know the debate <laughs> between Jefferson and Hamilton, or Jefferson and the Federalist, mm-hmm. was easily stated as the state's rights argument. But also, if you look at their vested interests, you have southern landowners mm-hmm. who work this land, and that's how they make their living, and it, and it means a certain thing to them, the product they produce, not exactly. necessarily the intrinsic value of it. And then they look upon the people in New York specifically as bank owners who just want to move money around. We can you just know? say it. Built the Yankees. Yeah, well, there's a exactly. rotten Yankees. Once again, the seeds of the Civil War are planted in these kind of things. But uh, shysters you know, and the like. Yeah, they're they, you know their their counterpoint being you know you want to you want to just uh, speculate on this. You want to yeah. create value that's not. They're there. trying to alienate people from the land so you can treat it like a big investment. Exactly. Venture. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and that's you know that again, Hamilton of course cites that in this paper as as something that's very important to creating a system that we can that everyone can benefit from is the ability to have that value to use or not use. Exactly. Um, to the individual citizens. So. so I think we've covered the laundry list. <laughs> Let's move from the laundry list into the melancholy situation. Isn't this uh, an inspiring and happy it paper? Is. <laughs> it just makes me really, really look forward to it. It's a very rosy picture that he's painting of me. And I like how he really breaks it down and talks about, okay, we're not just humiliated, we're in this melancholy situation. And we're on the brink of this precipice. We're about to plunge into the abyss. But I don't know if I buy what he's saying here. You know, he talks about that, uh, you know, he's, you know, from here and going a little bit into the, the next section, he seems to be implying that really it's the more the fault of the anti-federalists that yeah. they got at this point. Of, you know, the, they, were this, they were the only driving force behind the Articles of Confederation, how everything's been set up, mm-hmm. when, you know... I just don't know if I buy that, you no. know? I mean, sure, they yeah. want to continue it the way they've been going, but they weren't the only ones in power. No, they weren't, but he certainly tries to hang it around their neck here. You know, yeah. he's like, you know, things are horrible, and it's the other guys, and their feathers, who have this, you know, they came up with the articles, and exactly. like, they're the one that's ran everything into the ground. You know, it's exactly. basically what he is, he's saying. Yeah, leaving us uh, uh, weak at home and, and humiliated or, or abroad. Yeah. abroad. So Yeah. yeah. Whose side are they on? Our side or the side of the barber exactly. pirates? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we can't I, even get down the Mississippi for Christ's sake. I know where I stand, <laughs> and don't let you, don't let anyone tell you that I'm on the side of the barber pirates. <laughs> no one. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Oh. So. Yeah, and that, and that's you know, I think I feel like this part he's just ramping up because he's trying to lay out. Look, we're in a really bad place, and he you know goes into, and it's mostly their fault. <laughs> And that's when he goes into this, like, you know, trying to paint them as saying, you know, foundationally, we all agree things are bad. Even the anti-federalists agree with the problem. We all have the same common common definition of what the problem is. You know, weakness of the government with the consequence of all these national national humiliations. The difference between us, the federalists, and them, the anti-federalists, is we have a plan to fix it. They don't. And all they want to do is criticize their plan. Yeah. What are they going to do? What are they? What are they telling us we should do? That's not ridiculous. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, he goes and he talks about how that uh, you know, basically, the United States government under the Articles of Confederation doesn't have the energy or the resources to get the job done, mm-hmm. and those guys don't want to give the federal government what's necessary to get it done. Yeah, they seem yeah. to says the anti-federalists are trying to reconcile a bunch of. Completely incompatible ideas. Yeah. And, you know, he's using that, he uses that analogy of a building that was just built with a poor foundation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just can't, we want we want our country to be built up, and the, the way that this foundation is built, uh, we it's just going to collapse eventually if we try and build on this existing foundation. Exactly. Yeah, so you we can't, have to tear apart this foundation. you got to start over. you got to rip it down. Yeah, replace it with a constitution. Yeah. That, uh, gets rid of these weaknesses and focuses on. Yeah, jack the house up. <laughs> really, he's, he's taking. He's taking. You got the, firm with the foundation. Yeah, it's not saying no, that. Yeah, yeah, take the whole thing. Yeah, out, but they, so, they spread soap on it to kind of slide it. Around. 
Nobody else is watching HGTV. No, but I do watch that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's taking soap is the Bill of Rights. He's taking the Mike Holmes approach, right? He's taking the Mike Holmes approach, right? Because Mike Holmes and all his Holmes on Holmes shows, oh, okay, we are taking the you know, like I mean, he, he walks he walks in, he's like, oh, you know. The walls, yeah. the wall, the drywall looks a little off. We need to gut everything and rip it down. You got termites here. This is termite damage. Everything's going to really down. down. So I'm screwed right Yeah, rip it all apart it's, and start uh, over. Being the Canadian uh, contractor, <laughs> picking up the Canadian audience. Yeah, well, hey, we do have Canadian listeners. Do we really? Yeah, we do. I'm sorry, I say we. Yeah, I was going to say, when did you join the special? I mean, special you guest. You're taking the oath of life. I know. I'm sorry. Did I'm you sorry. tell him about the blood test and the blood oath? <laughs> That's, we don't talk about that on Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Yeah. Just like the Articles of Confederation. Yeah. I was not prepared. I'm glad you brought that back. Exactly. I was not prepared for the uh, the collective chaos that would ensue. Um, so, no, I, you know, my favorite thing here, though, is Hamilton, when he really wants to sound important, though, he diverts the human nature, which we all use, and he writes in all caps. So... <laughs> I just am thankful that he doesn't have like actual computer technology because the whole thing would just be caps all the way. I, I think so. He'd be shouting the entire time. This would be an all caps written one. You know what I mean? You know what it would look like? Let me talk about another obscure reference. A lot of it, uh, in Ohio at least, a lot of the. Uh, Divorce decrees and and child support orders. There are certain sections that are statutorily mandated to be yeah. all caps, bold, and yeah. underlined. Yeah. And so you get page after page of all caps, bold, underlined. Which, yeah, <laughs> defeats the, the purpose, purpose <laughs> of what you're trying to <laughs> do. Yeah. yeah. So, so Hamilton, to his credit, only writes in all caps in certain places. Uh, with drawing random the, words. <laughs> yes, drawing the reader's attention. One of his favorite words: coercion. He caps yeah. and. Uh, States, government, government, he likes to cap. Which, if you, think so, if you think about it, I mean, he's a bit of a student of human nature here. He because he knows that the eye is drawn to the all caps. And if you, you know, if you read just those things, you know, it's, uh, it, it kind of jumps out to you, these type of things that he's talking about. Maybe he's thinking the audience is going to gloss over. You know, Their you, eyes are going to you know, gloss thing, over. i got to tell you, my version is not, does not have all caps in it. Oh, really? The version you of know, me. Yeah. You bring up something that Justin and I have talked about before we started doing this and to our detriment, we haven't done it yet, which mm-hmm. is to look at, look at the, the actual text. Look at the actual text because we're, you know, we're reading, you know, transcribed versions, which we're reading and then having, you know, bold face, cast, et cetera. True. And yeah. that's something we need to circle back to and see see if we can find the so, original text. Yeah, I mean, I, I will be honest. I may, I'm commenting on this, and I I, I know that. See, I was, I was looking at my copy, and you guys are yeah. going on about all caps. I'm like, what, what are they talking about? The guy who typed up the uh, thing on the website. He's like, I, I feel strongly about this. The Yale Law School Avalon Project <laughs> yes. uh, uh, head may have there, just there added is, the all caps. This particular thing. intern. Felt very strongly about these <laughs> words. Anyway, all the analysis I reviewed, though, rep made reference to the all caps by Hamilton. Though. Yes, really, uh, and and him drawing uh, specific attention to these words specifically for it to yeah, make certain it, words are italicized yeah. in line. Well, I I don't know whether well, italics are all caps. Yes. Yeah, 
So he's placing emphasis, though, on something I think that comes out here that he's For sake seems- of argument today, we'll accept that there's emphasis on his words. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the record is noted. He, what he wants to do. We will have an all typography episode at some point. We talk about the influence of fonts and typography. I'm the special the guest here trying to actually talk about the substance of the paper. We will not have substance discussed on this show. We must draw the lines as firmly as Hamilton draws the okay. lines. Yes. All right. Understood. Understood. No, Please return your My substance. point being, he does keep true to human nature and to formatting in that way, where when he wants wants to draw your attention to something he thinks is important, he writes in either italics, all caps, or something. He's placing emphasis on it. And that is the fact that the current articles only have these uh, relation to states in their collective capacities, not to individuals. Not to the citizen. Yes. And so, therefore, they're, they're less effective because they're directed in that way, or they're limited in that way. Yeah. So, there's no, what he calls, what is what he referred to here? Uh, when he, he capitalizes discretionary superintendence. It's, they're lacking this superintendence. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's a fundamental flaw, I think. Is what and I, I 100% agree that Absolutely. that's a very important point of this paper. And um, it raises some interesting questions relevant even today. Because, you know, he raises this human nature argument of, look, if you really want... You say something is important and you want someone to be accountable for it, you know, of any decision, you've yeah. got to ultimately have an individual responsible for it. Because otherwise, people would just hide behind this faceless entity of like, well, no one's really responsible. Just the state didn't want it. The state is a collective yeah. whole. You know, that's, I know, and I'm not going to go in any depth into this except to say that that's a, even in the modern time, a criticism sometimes brought about corporate entities of, Corp, you know, corporations or business entities, you know, might be accused of doing something wrong. And, you know, there's a lot of frustration in modern times of why didn't anyone go to jail? Why didn't anyone do, want to do anything? And that's the point Hamilton raises here in regards to states. If a state does something wrong, you can't throw a state in jail. Anyone Correct. you can throw yeah. a corporation in jail. Yeah. If you, and that's why a lot of these bad things and, are going happening about people not paying their debts to yeah. states is because ultimately whoever's in the legislature that particular term and voted against paying what is owed to the federal government, or you know what troops should be leveled for levied and given to the federal government. They serve their term to go home. By the time the federal government gets around to do anything about it, they're going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. correct. Well, see, and he he spells out here at the time and under the Articles of Confederation, the federal government passed laws that were binding upon the states. And the states basically just would look at it and decide whether or not they wanted to follow it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that is a fundamental flaw that he he, he saw. Yeah. Um, and I'm I almost think that's surprised he doesn't strengthen by saying something like, well, maybe, you know, as, as strong as he's willing to make his rhetoric, and maybe he'll get to this later, I'm almost surprised he doesn't go one step further and say, look, ultimately, do, is our democracy a democracy by and for the states or by and for the people? Mm-hmm. Maybe one, maybe why he doesn't do that, because, you know, he's, he's this the the Constitution is going to state nominating conventions and he doesn't want to alienate the state legislatures. But it seems like if you're following his reasoning there, that's the next res- next step you take is what it, what are the what is the lowest, what is the basic unit of American democracy? Is it the yeah. person or is it the state? Because before the Constitution, it's not, you know, it's not even up for argument. It's definitely the state. It's the states, the sovereign units that got together and agreed to the Articles of Confederation. Correct. Yeah. But after the Constitution, it's much more about the people. Not completely, but much more in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he makes the point 
um, in here, and I'm, I'm looking for the exact text, but he basically <laughs> saying that you know the rights should flow to and the corresponding responsibility responsibility should fall upon mm -hmm. the true objects of government which are the individual citizens mm -hmm. uh and i think that's i think the true objects of government is what he uses on there but um i, I think you're right yeah but you know he, he makes a good point that you know who is government for mm -hmm. is it for states or is it for individuals and it makes it that much more powerful when it's when the people who are the, the most basic units, the individual citizens, are the ones who are given those rights and who have to take up those responsibilities. And the Articles of Confederation just don't do that. The Constitution does. Exactly. So. And I wanted to touch on something that I think I might have omitted in my initial summary, which is an undercurrent of the whole latter part of this paper is he's saying, look, the Antifederalists want you to live in this fantasy world of human nature that doesn't exist. And we in the Federalists, you know, grouping want to live with the reality of how things really are about human nature. Yeah, he says no, I get that. all of the Articles of Confederation and all of the arguments the Anti-Federalists bring about how we should run things, you know, it seems to be premised on this idea that well, everybody's just going to do, everybody's going to work together. This is all just going to work out. People are going to work together to make sure this works. And he says. That's just not how human nature works. Yeah, which is brilliant because nobody thinks that way unless yeah, they have a common purpose or goal. And, yeah, the tragedy of the commons, you know, everybody tries to maximize their gain on any particular thing, thinking everybody else is going to exactly. do what's necessary to keep the system intact. And Hamilton has a really easy job here just saying, the proof that this doesn't work is this laundry list of horrible things that have happened. If everything was just going to work out in the end because people were going to do what's right instead of doing what's in their own interest, we wouldn't be in the state that we're in. We've got to make a government structure based on, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, the innate selfishness of people when they think they can get away with it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, and there was a movie... Uh, a while back on A Beautiful Mind with uh, Russell Crowe. Mm, yes. And it was a story of John Nash, John who was an economic theorist. He, he, he was a physicist to start out with, I think, yeah. uh, and a mathematician. I think he was a mathematician. People might say physicist and you know, throw things, but uh, I believe he was a mathematician okay. to start out. But uh, he ended up developing a lot of economic theory, and one of the ones that's demonstrated really well in that movie is... Uh, um, is turning some economic theory on its head. Well, the original prevailing economic theory was uh, everyone does better if you act what for what's best for the group, right? <laughs> yes. And then he, he used the analogy of uh, a beautiful woman and four of her friends who are not quite as attractive in a bar and everyone going, you know, everyone going up and asking her out or trying to hit on her or something like that. Okay. Uh, and his theory was that everyone should shun the beautiful one and go for the friends because then they all get dates and that's what's better for the group as well as the individual. Exactly. So his economic theory that he developed, now that's a dramatization in the movie. I don't know how true that is. It, it made it sort of crystal clear as far as the explanation of the theory. But that is human nature yeah. is that everyone will go what is best for themselves ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Unless they're aligned in a common purpose. Unless there's an incentive okay, so. to make them do something different. Incentives or sanctions is, is yes. really is what yeah. you can do. So, the, so the purpose of government is to make laws, and you got to have teeth behind those laws. Yeah, is is because otherwise they're just under the Articles of Confederation, they're making laws, and there's no actual ability to enforce anything. So, exactly, and that's you know, where yeah, that's where you know, Hamilton gets into talking about sanctions and coercion. Yeah. 
as far as the individuals go? How do you convince individuals to do anything? Well, you give them the benefits of it directly, yeah. and you make the sanctions of yeah, it sanctions them directly, directly all the jail way or, or, or arms. Yeah. You know, so, so, yeah. so law without the force of law on the individual is it's no law. It's no law at all. It's a suggestion, exactly. and you can just decide if you want to follow it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he gets into, sort of transitions into the idea of, when we're talking about collective good versus individual good of what the what the state governments are actually going to do, he says, look, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out each of these state governments is going to try to do what's best for their state government first mm-hmm. and what's best for the nation second. Yeah. You know, it, you know, like, for example, when he talks about, you know, when you look at how much money the entire United States federal government owes, you know, of course... It'd be great for it'd be best for all of them if all of them would help the country pay off its debts, and all yeah. these all these national humiliations would start to go away. Yeah. But every one of the thirteen states feels like, well, we don't want to pay if the other twelve aren't going to pay, so we're not going to do yeah. it. Cause, or, or you have the situation where it's like, hey, I pay my debts and I've been able to pay my debts. Mm-hmm. Why should I now have to pay the debts of somebody else exactly. who can't pay their debts? Like tiny, let's pick on Rhode Island again. Yeah. So like tiny Rhode Island. I'm sorry you can't make enough money to pay your debts and pay your share. Mm-hmm. We over here in Virginia got plenty of money. Yeah. We pay. We or, or conversely, Rhode Island's going to be saying, "Hey, we didn't order the you know 15 large pizzas. Yeah. We only wanted one slice. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not paying for 15 pizzas." <laughs> <laughs> Any chance the Rhode Island bash, I will do exactly. that. Yeah, because yeah, Rhode Island's essential argument is, well, look, as a total percentage of the size of the United States, we're not that big. You guys were going to fight this war anyway. Yeah. Why not? We were just yeah. there to support you. And there's the free You should be paying us, really. Yeah, so. You should yeah. be paying us and off. That, and the free, that's the free rider. You know, that that's human nature as well. It's mm-hmm. the free rider problem. Exactly. And so, people, and, unless forced to, people won't, won't, uh, won't. And any up on their own. Hamilton hits this. Exactly. Hits this they home. want to maximize what they can get out, yeah. not what they put in. He, Hamilton, you know, why has government been instituted at all? It's his. It's his question. He throws out there, and he puts it very succinctly: because the passions of men will not conform to the dictates of reason and justice without constraint. Yes, and yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> perfect way okay. of saying. It. You know, like, it's like if there's not government, you're gonna have anarchy. No one's gonna think straight less no the government forces them to. Yeah. <laughs> no one's gonna no one's gonna do what's just and right. They're gonna go out there and no. be on their own and, and mind right. their own yeah. pockets. Exactly. So, you know, unless they're constrained by the hand of government. Which sounds so odd. You know, when you think about that statement. It sounds harsh. Well you think about that statement in the context of what they just came away from which was pretty harsh rule by a removed foreign power. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, at the time, it was their own countrymen. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a bold statement to say, you know, when they just fought a war essentially for freedom. Yeah. To Against say, central power. To say your own will and passion, unless unchecked by government laws, <laughs> is not a good thing. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a bold statement. Because yeah. it's the exact same attitude the context of that, the the time, that the parliament and the king of Britain or of England took. Or the the British Empire took against America. Exactly. Yes, yes. The colonists want to do their thing, but we, they're like children. They are, we yeah. just fought this war for them, and they need to accept responsibility and pay their fair share. Yes. Yeah. That was the British. You know, they they We've spent time and resources and personnel and everything protecting them. They need to pay. Exactly. For it. They need to be responsible and yeah. do their part. 
It's, it's just, just ironic. Yeah, it is ironic that Hamilton takes that town. But, yeah, I mean, in in light of, in the context of what they just came away from, uh, that that is going to be a statement that will appeal to fellow countrymen or, or citizens at large um, to uh, to adopt this constitution when he's when one of the arguments is your free will needs to be in check <laughs> yeah. by a, by a larger government, a yeah. federal government, not yeah. one of your individual states, no, yeah. well, a, a large power that's distant yes, from where your home where your homes are, right? Centrally, centrally located, located. removed you know, from your local. <laughs> but I, if I was an anti-federalist, I'd be like. Citing, you know, this yeah, as a reason that's the why section you highlight, yeah, you highlight. Like, look, their true passions are revealed. Yeah, you know? but really, that's sort of the heart of the criticism against uh, Alexander Hamilton by the other by the Anti-Federalists is that when you say you have to be ruled, you know, when you have to be ruled by a large by a greater power that's distant, Hamilton, it seems like his main his main lesson and his main feeling he got out of the American Revolution was. He didn't have a problem with great power and a supervisory power. He just didn't like the distant parts. Yeah. Because he talks, you know, all the time he really admires the British form of government. Yeah. He admires yeah. strong central power. He does, yeah. The se- does. Seemingly, the main thing that Hamilton had a problem with, with being ruled by the king and the parliament of Britain, is just like, they were far away. Yeah. If they, if they moved over to Philadelphia or New York, he might, would he be fine with it? I don't know. I've noticed that too. They're saying they have no stake in this. They can't. They can't identify with, with the reason for their governance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, central government that's removed locally isn't so bad, as long as we're all in this together. As long as you know they're sharing the same struggles that we are. So yeah, it's not so much that there is this, you know, father figure government that sort of you know daddy knows best for you know all the citizens it's the problem of are they part of the family or not mm-hmm. and yeah. you know it seems like ha- the hamiltonian critique of you know what he felt justified the revolution was that um britain was an absentee parent yeah. so to speak yeah you know they weren't really even around and they weren't really listening but yet they were coming in and telling them what they needed to do or what they could and couldn't do exactly with no context for it and no stake in that exactly other than other than pure economic gain yes so, agreed so, agreed you know that that is sort of the summary of Hamilton's caps lock uh, <laughs> that, he, that he does is you know we we need to have general superintendents uh, or general he says general discretionary superintendents uh, of the central government. Over over things and over individual citizens for it to make sense, uh, for it to truly be effective. That's what it seems to me to be that he's drawing yeah. he's drawing some of the attention of this, and maybe it's because the thing's so long and kind of tedious yeah. that he's you know it's kind of like uh, Latin mass. Uh, I don't know, you know, when they they ring bells and that's kind of carried over to the English translation, but they ring bells in Latin mass to draw your attention to the important parts. Because the rest of the time, the rest of the time people are asleep. So they ring the bells and say, look up here, this is really important. And he needs it because overall, I'm going to start, you know. Well, first we skipped over his points about the, the treaties. Um, we can touch base on those. So, we did. Take us back there. I said, we can't. Oh, we can't, yeah. because you want to discuss about the treaties? I just, we just, we just noticed it was one of the things we missed. Um, was this in the laundry list of uh, no, it was, um, things we were talking about? Or, uh, so, along with... Help us all. We can't navigate the Mississippi. No, 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 no. Uh, he talks about the the idea of you know it's like you know leagues and alliances between independent nations are you know okay and and treaties can you know 
they make treaties, and that makes sense. Uh, and he and he goes on and he talks about how you know the powers of Europe you know made all these treaties and whatnot, but a lot of times like as soon as they come into place, they fall right apart. Yeah, you know, um, and. Or heads heads of state get their heads chopped. Well, you know. they make the treaty. Hey, one either way, you get a resolution. Right, you so, get a resolution, and that's so, finality there too. It really so, does. he just he just kind of puts it out as a warning, is like you know, if we fall, if we're if we're independent states, and we we think that we're going to have a bunch of treaties between each other to kind of you know resolve and have things go along and 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 keep things running smoothly, like you can look to Europe and see that's not going to work. See, my you know, take on that was I rolled in for me to the general thing. When he talked about that part, about the treaties that seemed to always fail in Europe, yeah. to me, that it rolled into our conversation about you can't have law without consequences. Yeah. Those treaties were ones that didn't have an enforcement mechanism. Yeah. And, you know, I know that's been a criticism even in the modern day, like international Absolutely. law. If you don't have yeah. a sovereign to enforce things, it really is meaningless at the end of the day. It's just based on goodwill, and goodwill is not enforceable. And so I think that rolled into the general points we made about well, yes. these treaties were just things based on loosey-goosey goodwill that everybody's just going to make it work, and if there's not enforcement, you can't rely on that. The, the other point that he makes is that under the current Articles of Confederation, uh, the states who are given this, this, you know, this, this, these individual sovereign powers uh, are not permitted to treat with foreign countries. Mm-hmm. And so that that's something that's sort of a ridiculous limitation on there. You know, we, we need a central government uh, that's away from this Articles of Confederation, you know, he's saying on there, because um, we don't even have the ability to enter into treaties uh, or we're going to have individual states treating with, uh, with, yeah, other, with other countries. Yeah. And it's yet again another pillar that is going to fall under the weight of the government if you have all these individual states the ability to, to treat with foreign countries and no exactly. consistency. Because later on he was talking about how he doesn't use these exact words, but he, essentially what's happening is since the federal government could only make requests of the state government and ask them to carry out what the federal government enacts, when you're talking about the area of treaties, it's hard to have ones that are credible that any other country is going to sign on to. Sure. Yeah. Because if the federal government says, okay, we agree to do X over here in America, if you'll do Y over there in Europe, and then the federal government goes to all the states and says, you guys all going to do this. You all have to not charge this tariff against, say, France. Yeah. And all the states say, well, what the heck with it? We like that money from France. We're going to charge it. Then what? The federal government can't do anything about it. Yeah, that's what he's saying. And it's worthless. Yeah, our sovereignty is mimicked overseas. Our, our, our sovereignty is mimicked overseas because they know that we don't have the rule of law to enforce it. So exactly. Is that, is that what kind of point mocked. you're making? Exactly. Mocked, my point. No, yeah. So, so um, no, I think they're mimicking mimicking in a mocking way, so I give it to you. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think I was thinking that Monty Python. Well, what, what he's saying here is our ambassadors abroad are mere pageants of mimic sovereignty. Oh, sorry. So his statement there is basically saying, you know, we send people overseas to they negotiate these treaties, yeah. and they're like, we're just pretending to be a representative of a, of a solidified central government. <laughs> they're pretending we're pretending to be a country. Yeah. Yeah. So we pulled out the forms, but there was really no substance. And do we want to continue like that, or do we want to have a real country? Yeah. Or do we want to be this loosey-goosey confederation that is not worthy of respect? Is that a Hamiltonian phrase, loosey-goosey? Isn't that a footnote? I think so. No, there's this one dramatic footnote here that says, I mean by this loosey-goosey. I mean for the union, uh, which was another entertaining part of this, uh, where Hamilton decides hey, to Hey, you know what? If he himself. only has one obscure little... 
pointless footnote. I'll take it. Which is what happened like the modern, in, in paper six. It was like, or... yeah, 45 footnotes that we had to peril through. In number okay, six. Well, here's Glee's statutory theft. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I can discuss this footnote for, okay, fair, without uh, fair researching enough. it. Fair enough. I just didn't think that was fodder for a footnote. Just put it in line, Hamilton. I would, I would redline it if it was if it was if, if I thought that Hamilton would make the correction in good faith. I think so. I think he would too. So I, just yes, run I, a compare in Microsoft Word, maybe all set. <laughs> I viewed that as a throwaway. Maybe I felt maybe that one was his footnoting the fact that he did not have a, a quality word processor where he could. He uses a very long article. He didn't want to retype it. There you go. You know what? That's true. Because at that time, after writing this thing and finishing it and going, ah, yeah. oh, crap. I meant for the union. I meant for the union. You know what? Number one. But no. Down at the bottom. <laughs> I mean for the union. So. I'm surprised you don't see that more often. Done. Publis. <laughs> Publis. So. Uh, you know what? I can't blame him there. I would do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Agrees. Agreed. Agreed. But... Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I think that's. I mean, I think really that we go more towards that we, we end up now with the closing paragraph or so when you know he's talking about how look, you know, if we have to have 13 different states agree on anything we do, we're never going to get anything done. Yeah. I mean, like it doesn't. Again, this is not some. You don't have to be a scholar to understand that. How hard? How easy is it to get 13 people to agree on anything? One of them's always crazy, and that's going to be Rhode Island. Um, <laughs> so, either you get rid of Rhode Island. I apologize, Rhode Islanders. <laughs> Rhode Island. Uh, on, on behalf of uh, the podcast, even though I'm not allowed to because I'm only a special guest. So. <laughs> uh, a, a power grant that every special guest there you go. includes exactly. the ability to count on Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, and again, he retreats into the hyperbole in this last paragraph again. I don't want to say retreats, but I guess he, it's like a warm blanket he wraps himself up in and talks about how the wheels of the national government have been brought to an awful stand or halt and basically uh, having to go back to the states to make sure that that's to get their approval for everything the government does just brings us all to a standstill. Exactly. I feel like this last paragraph here and wrapping it all up for him, he's... He, Throughout this whole paper, he talks about, look, this, the ship of state is sinking, and we've just started to sink, and when he talks about the states withdrawing their support if this doesn't work out, he says the next thing is the rats are going to abandon the ship. Yeah, he just didn't want to call the states rats. I was just gonna say, but he does, you know, he does say, "Hey, they're not doing that great." You know, they don't yeah, do a great exactly. job of getting back to us. Exactly, they're not exactly punctual. But you know what? The funny thing is, is he does he criticizes the states so heavily in this paper, but at other times he's talked about how, like, hey, don't worry about it. You guys will still have your state governments. Everything will be fine. You know, yeah. we just got this small central power over here. Nothing to see here. All, your your local state government will keep on operating the way it's been and everything will be good to go. You know, it's just, it's another example of him kind of arguing the, the, the version of that. He take you know, taking the point whichever best suits his argument. You know, uh, at one time, you know, the ship's sinking. 
and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And another another paper, hey, the state governments are just going to keep operating and functioning. So, you know, and you know, know I feel comfortable making this statement, but Hamilton was an attorney. So he is skilled at speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> with, the, with the interest of his client, in this case, the United States Constitution, uh, justified. That is a constant theme of his is, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too. You know, you can have your state sovereignty. You know, and that'll still be great. It won't be any worse than it is now. But Wall Street is really powerful federal government. It'll be everything so, at once right. and more awesomeness on top of it. But selling it. That's right. So the funny thing is, it comes to mind, it's just my own practice. One time I had an appeal where I had to both argue that the uh, error at the trial court was invited error that was caused by the defendant's attorney. And then also... Uh, and so, therefore, it, you know, it wasn't the state that that caused a loss of rights for the defendant. It okay, was on the other side of that. No, you, you, you weren't. But but then, but then, but then, but then, out of the you know, a couple pages later, had to argue that the 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 defendant's trial attorney was not did not afford him an effective assistance counsel. So, uh, so, so Hamilton's right. merely pleading convenient. It's convenient. So it was it was a tricky you know a needle to thread there. On it was that a one. fantastic <laughs> argument I made. Pistols at dawn. <laughs> so Hamilton's like, hey, you know the state governments. We do fine. That we there's a nice blanket of familiarity that you're gonna have when mm-hmm. we shift over to this federal power, this stronger federal government. But everything's falling apart because the state governments are terrible. Right. The states yeah. are great. You can still have them, but they're causing us all to fall to ruin. Yes. It, yeah, it's like the, he, his position is you're, you're going to keep everything you got, like, and you're going to have this extra cake on top of it of the awesome federal government. Whereas the. You can say congressional cake, I think. Is that what you're trying to. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. I don't think so. I don't know. Sorry, go the anti federalists, by comparison, their criticism is that, you know, all this cake that Hamlin's laying out, that's just a big lie. You're not going to get you that. The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie. Yeah. But Hamilton. Fake cake? Fake cake. <laughs> Cake is a lie. But Hamilton on his comeback saying, well, at least in my scenario, people get cake. I mean, I mean that. And Which I'll tell you what, it can be an effective argument no matter what yeah, you're arguing. Exactly. <laughs> I know, persuade many. And, you know, ultimately the Constitution went through, was ratified. So the conclusion seems to be between cake and no cake, people seem to prefer cake. Hamilton is a student of human nature. People want cake. Tea and cake or death. That's right. uh, cake, yeah. please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's what came down to. Jairo's position, he was cake. And the federal position, like, death, but, you know. Well, only now, so many hundreds of years later, we're realizing the cake is alive. So, I didn't believe it. That there you time. go. There you go. Any, any episode that ends with cake... Is is positive development? Yeah, all right, it worked for Hamilton. So, all right, well, Matt, thanks again for joining us for another Thank episode. You. We uh, promise appreciate. we have the low TOS ready by the next time you're on. Sounds yeah, good. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, you might not make fun. it back until like sixty some, kind of like John Jay. You know, take <laughs> take a large break but in the middle. But hopefully, won't get hit in the head with a rock in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> Jay has crashed. No, that's wait. Hold on, let's stop. Jay gets bludgeoned after his return. That's why he checks out for the last third. That was my whole thing. Like he, he had he was sick. Or no, 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 no. He he got he got uh, he came in hard and fast in the first several. Then took a big break, came back for one more. Then got if befell the end of the series injury. And the question was like, 
What happened in the interim? Uh, see, either way, I don't want Matt to get hit in the head with a rock. Yes, no, I, I also now, don't want you to have a skull fracture. Severed arm. Sure. Okay. Yes. Hit in the head with a rock. Now. <laughs> Anything involves being bludgeoned. I avoid. Yeah. Sorry. Just have some cake. No problem. What if I bludgeoned you with cake? <laughs> that actually might be preferable. Okay. There you go. Fruit cake might hurt. As a citizen, I think I might. Fruit cake would hurt, probably. Yeah. yeah. So That'd be an unusual cake. <laughs> All right. All right, well, anyway, see everybody yeah. in episode 16. 16. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye.